and you're listening to a sermon from Bent Tree Church in Loveland, Colorado. For more information about Bent Tree, visit BentTreeChurch.com. Well, good morning, Bent Tree Church. It's good to see you guys, and welcome to Orphan Sunday, where we are celebrating along with the rest of the world today. If that touched your heart, if it moved you, uh, after our gathering today, there will be folks outside at the tables. Uh, they're Bent Tree folks uh, that would love to answer questions, and everything from, hey, I would l- like to explore that idea of adoption, uh, to going, hey, I can't do that right now, but I would love to be able to give towards this thing and be a part. And they'll share with you how you can be a part, how you can pray, uh, and how you can join with people. Uh, the church, the Christians in this world, we are the light of the world. Amen? And that is the chance to be able to do that, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So, well, a fall is in the air. Amen? Uh, flannel is in style, praise God, and it's no shave November. I've got to jump on you. Uh, so who's going to do no shave November? Ladies, no ladies, keep your hands down. <laughs> so it is great to have you here. No shave November and uh, God's word. Uh, no, we're here seriously to worship God. To, we've been singing, we've been praying, we've been lifting our hands, we've been giving. Um, now we're going to worship God through our attention. Hearing the word of God preached, welcome to Bentry Church. By the way, my name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here. Who brought their Bible? Let's just see those. I I brought mine. Hold those things up. Good job. Look at you. Man, that is a beautiful sight for a pastor. Um, We preach right from the Bible. That's what we do. We don't try to come up with slick ideas to try to sell you how to improve your life. Uh, we go to the one source that will give us certainty of what we need to know. And at Bentry, not only do we think the Bible is God's word, we think it is, check this out, perfect. Not lacking anything that God wants us to know about him. Meaning that we don't have to add stuff to the Bible. We simply need to read it. We need to understand it. We think the Bible is both sufficient and without error. And my job as your pastor or anyone else who ever preaches from this stage and this pulpit is to exegete the meaning. Now that term may not be familiar to you, so let me explain it. To exegete something is to bring the truth out of the text. The truth that God has for us there, not to make up something different, just to bring that truth out and and preach it to you. To exegete something is to deliver the truth that's already there. Now, you've heard me say this before. We think that the Bible is true. And we think that it is deep. So if you're new here, let me introduce you to a phrase we use at Bentry Church. Let's go deep to grow deep. Meaning, as I do my best to exegete the passage, the meaning that we dive deep into, into this book, God is going to use that meaning to grow our relationship with him. Because we want to know everything about God, right? We want to know as much as we can. We want to know, look, his character, what his likes are, his dislikes, what he loves, what he hates, why he hates it. The other way you have probably heard pastors preach is to eisegete the text. Eisegete's the wrong way, in my opinion. It's the opposite of exegeting. Eisegete is kind of like 
preacher that brings an idea that the preacher has that wants you to buy this idea. And, and so he comes with this idea already to the text. And then he looks for scripture that would support his text. So he goes back and forth. Now you hear this kind of preaching on the TV. If you look, internet all the time. And that kind of pre- preaching tends to puff up the preacher. And to make him look good. Like, here's what I found in scripture. And the real danger with that kind of preaching is that it is easy to make a false claim about God and then try to support it with the Bible. Well, I say that all because we are in a week, we are in week four of a series that I'm going to do a couple of weeks at a time. And we did it back in the spring, back in May. And then last week we had week one, we'll have week two. And then uh, soon we've got some uh, amazing things uh, going on. This series that we're, we're in is titled Base 10 Living. It's not the typical series uh, where we walk through verse by verse an entire book of the Bible. We're taking smaller parts in this series, a passage. This series is topical. But here's what I want you to know. The topical sermon can still be based in scripture and be exegetical. I can exegete it. Make sense? In other words, we're still going to look at scripture to dig deep But on those topics, the reason we are doing this series last week and this week and in the spring is something that we, it's something that we need to live our lives by. It it, it equips us in certain areas. These sermons are really practical in how you actually make decisions about how to spend your time and money, how you live life on a daily basis and how to live life based on the Bible. And the title is a little bit of a play on words, if you will. Uh, The word base has this meaning of a foundation, right? Or where we start and we build from a foundation. So we start from the base. And then the number 10, meaning the goal out there. We started this series with base 10 giving. And that that simply represents where we start our giving back to God, where he told us to give from. The first 10% of our money goes back to God, our income. That's where we start from. And what we learned over time is understanding that all good gifts come from where? God. And that means in reality, where we actually live, we are not the owners of anything, but rather the stewards of everything. Those gifts given to us, we just simply take care of them. Or another way to say it is that we manage the gifts that God has given us. Now, last week we looked at three broad categories of gifts that we manage. We call the three T's. Do you remember that? Let's take a look. Here it is. The three T's that God gives us to manage. Time, treasure, and talent. Time, treasure, and talent. Now, with our treasure, we looked at last week and in the spring... We're talking about money. The number 10 in that situation makes sense because in base 10 giving, the base, the floor, the foundation is 10% off the top. But how do we translate into the other areas of our lives with talent and time? Do we say 10% of our time should be spent in ministry? No, not really. That's not what we're saying. And the same is true for talents you have. And we're saying that 10% of our talents, should that be given to God? 10%? I mean, that's an okay thing to say. But no, that's not what Scripture says there. 
So although we're calling this a base 10 living series, what I want us to think of here is that every area of our lives where we manage stuff, whether it be time, talent, or treasure, we manage it according to God's word. Well, let's jump in. But first, would you pray with me? And let's just ask God to bless our time together. Give us open hearts and open minds and Let's pray. Father God, you've been so good to us. You've been better to us than we are ourselves. God, I pray that our hearts and minds would be open and ready to hear and receive from you what is in Scripture. So God, speak to us as a group, as a family, as a church. Speak to us as individuals what you want us to see and how to use our time wisely, our talents. Holy Spirit, have your way in our lives. Help me to speak only what I hear from you in Scripture. Help me to disappear behind the words and the meaning of what you want to come out. It is in the name of Jesus Christ. We all prayed and said, amen, amen. Well, as Jesus and his disciples are walking along the road, two of his disciples, they were brothers, James and John, kind of sidle up next to Jesus, and they ask him an important question. They said, Jesus, when you enter into your kingdom, could we have positions of power? Can I be on your right, my brother be on your left? That's like saying, can we be your first and second lieutenants? And Jesus basically tells him, he says, guys, you don't know what you're asking. You, you, do, you really don't know what you're asking here. Can you handle this? But as you might have guessed, this made the other 10 disciples that were walking there and probably all the wives and uh, people that were walking along kind of upset that these two brothers, James and John, would ask this question. So Jesus calls all the 12 together. They kind of huddle up and, and look what it says in Mark chapter 10, verse 42. Jesus called them over and said to them, you know those who are you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And those in high positions act as tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become the great among, become great among you will be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. Amen. Jesus is telling the source of true greatness, the source of life. And he says, look, the world has it all wrong. They've got it backwards. Instead, he gives them two things here. Look at it. First, he's saying for Christ followers, what we also call his disciples, who want to be great in the kingdom of God, he said they will be a servant. So to be great in the kingdom of God as a Christ follower means that you have to be a servant to all the others in the kingdom of God. But then second here, he says, but if you want to be first like these guys, they're wanting to be with me, James and John, if you want to be first, well, then you have to be not a servant, but a slave. What's the difference between the two that we see here? Write this down. We're going to do some Greek today. Servant Greek is diakonos, one who voluntarily renders service to others. Servant, diakonos, one who voluntarily renders useful service to others. 
You get it. I volunteer to be a servant. It's my choice. I make, I give my service to you. But the word slave here, if you want to be first, Jesus says, look at the meaning here. Slave has a different meaning. Slave, uh, doulos, one who forfeits his own rights in order to serve any and all. Slave, doulos, one who forfeits his own rights in order to serve any and all. Jesus is telling them, well, telling us, his disciples, of his service to others, not only his own interest. Now, to voluntarily sacrifice something, to give up something, serving his own needs and wants and focused on those around him. That's what a servant is. Now, Jesus himself, though, is a perfect example of true greatness, isn't he? To become a slave, he becomes a slave for others, giving up his very life for us. Now, why start looking at this as we Christians use our time, talent, and treasure? Because unlike money where we have an amount as a base to start from, the base here is to serve others. An inside meaning of serving others is also means that we cannot serve ourselves when we are serving others. It's the very definition, right? And all that requires what I have talked about a lot, what we've preached on a ton over the summer and fall, is John the Baptist and humility, what he had. Humble. Now, in the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul is addressing a major problem that has come up in the church of Philippi. And the problem is that evidently everyone was seeking their own joy, their own happiness, instead of seeking the true joy of the others in the church family. They were fighting, in other words. There was a self-centeredness in that church, and it was ruining the function of that body. The church itself And ruining the spiritual growth. It was stunting the spiritual growth of both the body and the individuals of that church. So Paul says this in Philippians 2 verse 3. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, consider others more important than yourselves. What's the first thing Paul tells them not to do? First, he says, don't act out of selfish ambition, self-promotion, and look at that word conceit. Here it is. Another Greek word, conceit, kenondoxia, pride in oneself, vainglory, and vanity. Vainglory, it's one word. It's a kind of glory. It's a vainglory. It doesn't work. It's self-focused. Conceit, pride in oneself, vainglory, vanity. So if we go back to Jesus, he's walking on the road talking to these guys. Look, He says, look, you have to be a servant. If you want to be important, you've got to be a servant. If you want to be first, you've got to be a slave. But let's just look at servant for a minute. To voluntarily give up your rights to be humble is to act in humility Towards everyone else. Paul is reminding us that conceit is the exact opposite of humility. He's telling us to steer clear of conceit because it will ruin you and ruin the body of Christ, the church. And then the Apostle Paul tells us how to do that next verse, what to do in that next verse. Look at verse 4 of Philippians 2. He says, Everyone, 
should look not to his own interest, but rather the interests of others. Now, this is counterintuitive to our thinking. Because think of it, our sinful nature, we automatically think every day, what do I want now? And we base that on what will make me happy. The first thing I do is I go, I get up in the morning, I go, well, I got to have something to drink. I'm going to go make me some coffee because that will make me happy. Because of our natural self-focus. It's not that coffee's bad. It's that I thought of me first before anyone else. But Paul is saying that won't work for a Christian. Don't look at what you want, what you desire. Now check this out. He says focus on what's best in the interest of others. By the way, who are others? Well, it means not you. It means other people that God has placed in your life. And remember, those people are there in your life, not by accident. God has placed them there. We're not talking about going to the mall and a bunch of unseen people. You got to be kind to them too. But we're talking about those folks that God has placed in your life. Folks, this is at the heart of what being a disciple of Jesus is all about. It is inherently, listen to me, others focused. So... You get this. If you're not happy right now, if you are depressed, wondering what will make you happy, well, then there's your problem, isn't it? You with me? Because you're self-focused. Now, listen, you've heard me say I wrestle with depression. It doesn't own me. It doesn't dictate me. I'm just telling you, depression, being self-focused, worrying about yourself, it'll get you down. Start seeking others' interests. Again, this is not natural. It doesn't come easy for, because the fallen human sinful condition we all have that we all fight against daily says the exact opposite. So Paul goes on and gives us this perfect example for us to model. He says this in verse 5 through 8. He says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Who, existing in the form of God, instead emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant. Taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, remember he's God. When he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to the death on the cross. Now listen, he didn't just humble himself and become a man. Because he could have instantly been the biggest ruler of all creation, right? A human and God, everybody worships him there. But he said, no, I'm going to become a servant And even give my life. Now look, when Christians quote this, and they quote it a lot, and it's solid, we could preach a whole series right here. But what I want to direct your attention to, back to the top of the passage, look at verse 5 in your Bible. Underline that little word, adopt. Paul tells us to adopt the same mindset of Christ Jesus. He says, You should install that same attitude in your head. 
What does it mean to adopt? Well, to adopt a child, like we're talking about this weekend before my talk here. To adopt a child means to make that child your own. Even though naturally, that child was not born to you physically. But you make that child your own. You choose to make that child your own. Same thing here. It's a good way to think of this. But you could even take this a step further, couldn't you? The deeper meaning of this phrase, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, literally means to copy the same attitude, even though it is not how you feel. You with me? Like you're going to feel one way, and it's saying adopt even though you don't feel it. You could say copy and paste the operating system into you because your operating system is screwing everything up. Use the operating system that Jesus uses, even though you don't have the same drive and the same feeling as Jesus. Now, this is a daily battle, isn't it? I mean, just getting up out in the morning. Let's think about it this way. Let's skip over to the New Testament book of Colossians chapter 3. A little bitty book. The Apostle Paul, again, is telling new believers in this book. He says, since you have been born again, he says, put away The sin of anger, of wrath, of malice, of slander, of filthy language, of lying. He says, get rid of all that, step one. Now, all notice all those things come from pride. Trying to make yourself look better. You lie to make yourself look better. He says, get rid of that. He says, that all comes from old sinful you. So he says to believers, take that stuff off. Take it off. Then he says in verse 10 of chapter 3, Colossians, he says, and have put on the new self. So there is a new self. He says, put it on. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. This, my friends, is good news. We who believe in Christ Jesus as our Savior and Lord, we are being, look, look at this word, renewed Renewed in the knowledge according to the image of your creator. He's giving you a new way to think. And check this out. A new way to feel. We are being remade into the image of Christ Jesus. Beginning to know who Jesus is at a deeper level. Now folks, this is why we go deep to grow deep. Because the more we know about Jesus, the more we can become like Jesus. Check this out. Verse 11. In Christ, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Those titles are all based around pride, by the way, in who a person is. I'm a Scythian, I'm a Roman, I'm a Gentile, I'm a Jew. Here's my race, here's my economic level or our status as a a citizen of a certain country. I'm a rich man. I'm a blue collar guy. I'm a city person, I'm a country person. Paul says, doesn't matter in Christ. Paul says it doesn't matter. Now, how about this? A Democrat some of you almost, you stifled a, a, you know, an amen. How about a Republican? Does that matter? 
Well, you see, Paul, I'm pro-masks. Paul, Paul, I'm against the vaccines. Listen, I'm not saying your position isn't important. But what Paul, the apostle, is saying to us here is not to let your political divisions or your race or your economic situation or where you live dictate your identity. That's the enemy doing that to you. If you are born again in Christ Jesus, listen to me, brothers and sisters, you are in Christ. That is your identity. What Paul is saying is that stuff doesn't matter for those who are in Christ. When it comes to how we actually love each other, we don't care if they're a Democrat. We don't care if they're a Republican. We don't care if they're, listen to me, we don't care if they're a communist. You go, oh, yes, we do. No, no, we don't. We love them. We love them. It's not saying that those issues are not important. Those are obviously important issues. But that you and I and how we relate to each other, we always act out of love from the identity we have in Christ, not their identity, our identity. What does that mean to be in Christ, though? He's talking about the redeemed of God, the born-again believers in Jesus. Paul lays this truth on us, and then he says, if this is true, which we just studied, he said, then this next thing has to be true. It begins in verse 12 with, therefore. That means if all that stuff I just said was true, therefore, as God's chosen ones, notice, who are we? God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He says, like clothes, you took off those, those old nasty clothes of selfishness, of greed, of anger, put on these. Look, this is what we learn from Jesus, that God chooses us, amen? Not, not the other way around, God chose us, that's Jesus talking. You got an argument there? You're arguing with Jesus. But because he first chose us, right? We choose him because he chose us. He is saying, since we have been chosen by God, then our part here now as in Christ's followers is to then begin to put on compassion, put on kindness, put on humility, put on gentleness, put on patience. Now check this out. This is so cool. That stuff doesn't come naturally, does it? Mm. No, naturally, I'm proud. Naturally, I'm moody. Naturally, I'm harsh in anything but gentle and patient. All the stuff that comes from me is a result of sin. But Paul tells us, put on these new things like garments to wear. Take off the old things. Notice the things here are all others focused where all the other things are all me-focused. Are you with me? These are all others-focused. And and why do we want this? Why do we want this? Because Paul says, you have been chosen and because you are dearly loved. But then look in verse 13. He says, uh, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against another, Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also are to forgive. Now check this out. We're going to go from bottom to top. 
so you are also to forgive. The Lord has forgiven you. Right? Why? Because he loves us. He says, look, in the middle part, he says, it's going to get, you're going to have times of unforgiveness. You're going to have a grievance against each other. He says, you're going to have to bear with one another. You're going to have to forgive. Why? Because we want what we want. We are sinful. This is where the rubber meets the road, brothers and sisters, right here. He's saying, if we put on these things, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. He's saying this is how that is lived out every day. We bear with one another, forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Again, this is not natural for us, is it? (laughs) I mean, it's not how I feel. It's not. No, because I want you to focus on me like I focus on me. I want me to be happy and I want you to know that I want you, uh, that I want to be happy. But Jesus says, and, and Paul said, no, 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 no. We bear with one another. By the way, you know what that means to bear with one another. To bear with one another is when the person you are bearing with is acting like a bear and you got to bear with them. Like they are driving you nutso. Like you go, do you realize how irritating you are? Do you, have, you realize how unreasonable you are? You are so self-focused. Don't they realize how irritating they are? To me, they're so self-focused. This makes me upset. And the answer is no, they don't. But you do. So you are having to bear with them. I hope you're seeing this to be others focused, to serve them well, to have humility is a battle. And it starts and ends with constantly forgiving one another, constantly forgiving one another. And why do we do that? Why do we forgive? Well, just as the Lord is forgiving us, we are to forgive. We forgive others. We serve others. We give them our time. We bear with them in love We love others not because they're worthy somehow, but because, listen, Jesus is worthy. Do you understand that? Here, write this down because this is gold for us. You can use this. Christians, forgive, serve, give our time, bear with, and love others. Not because they are worthy, but because Jesus is worthy. Some say, say amen there. Christians, forgive serve, give our time, bear with, love others, not because they are worthy, but because Jesus is worthy. He is worthy. Do you believe that? Like, is Jesus worthy? Well, this is the reason to give your time and to serve others, because Jesus is worthy. Here's the thing. When When we do serve others and give of our time, the world sees that. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 5.13. He tells us, Christian, he tells Christians about our purpose in this world when he says this. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. 
You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Check out that last line. As we serve others, like we are serving Jesus himself, it's like we become the flavor of the world. We are living our purpose. This life no longer is bland for people. We stick out. People go, why are you acting that way? What do you mean? Like, why do you love me? Why aren't you being a jerk anymore? It's like we are a light set on a hill, a beacon in a dark world. And it's a dark world right now, baby. That light catches the eye of the person that's scanning the horizon. Is there anything good in this world? Is there anything? Is there, what is that? I want some of that. A world that desperately needs hope. When we live our lives as others focused, instead of focusing on what we want, the love of God shows to the world. God is glorified. He is magnified. And you remember what magnified is. When we look in a telescope, we look at the great big part of the universe, we bring this massive light years of stuff down to a, a manageable size. That's what we're doing. We're, we're trying to examine God. His greatness is brought down to us when we live our lives others focused. And what's truly amazing about this are two huge thing for, things for us. Number one is that is what truly brings us joy. I'm being as clear as I can. You want joy? You want out of depression, you want to make your, make your life about other people because of Jesus. Even when our circumstances are difficult, especially we can be like Paul, the apostle, when he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary, look, momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We are being renewed day by day, even though our outer person is being destroyed. Some of us are falling apart quicker than others, right? Our outer shell is falling apart. But right in the middle of it, we can have a joy where it counts. Right in the middle of this suffering. Second big thing I want us to see about living our lives through Jesus. By serving others and serving the church family here. Serving the church and those that we do our lives with. As we live our lives now, we are building up for ourselves an eternal reward. Look at again at a verse we've used in this base 10 living series when Jesus tells us this. This is where we ended last week. Matthew 6, verse 19, Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Don't do it. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
we think of this verse talking about money. And certainly it does talk about money in that way too. But what I want us to see today is that based in living in these areas, how to use our time and our talents, giving ourselves to serve and love others, to serve the church, we are laying up treasures in heaven where neither moth, moth, <laughs> rust, or moths don't break in. No one, nothing is destroyed where thieves don't steal. So how do we live this out? I mean, how do we actually put this into to play here? Well, let me bring this home. Write to us here. I'm talking to Bentry. You guys sitting right now, listening. This is the service we broadcast online for those who are worried about coming because of COVID or have COVID. You guys listening at home too. We live it out as a church family. Living life together as a family. Loving and serving each other. Bearing with one another when we are not bearable. Celebrating when, when there's great times. Laughing when things are funny. And then hurting with people that we love when they're facing the difficult parts of life. Mourning in their time of loss. It's that kind of doing life together as a church family where we begin to truly grow into the body, the group of us, into the true church. Although we Christians are all part of the one true church, the worldwide body of Christ in every country throughout time, those living and those in heaven, while we are here on earth, we can't be a part of everyone's lives on earth. But what we can be a part of is this church. And yes, I get it. We can't know and be known to everyone in our church family here at Bentry. We're simply too big for that. I mean, we're a little church, but we're too big for that already. But where we can serve and be served is in our D3 groups. And in our serving teams. Right now, we need you as a church family to step up and serve. To give yourself to this group of people. To serve them like they were Jesus Christ himself standing there with holes in his feet and in his hands. To use your time. To use your talents to build this place into the church that Jesus has designed us to be. But that means you'll have to say no to some other important things that are pulling on you. Things like TV at home. Things like football. Some of you just like winced just a little bit, didn't you? <laughs> things like kids' sports. Hello? It's okay to play sports. It's not okay to play on Sundays. You need to be here. Things like coaching, you may have to cut back on that. Things like saying no to hanging out with your phone and endlessly scrolling through to the next video or funny meme. I, I can, I, I can even mean say it can even mean say no to good things like spending time with just your family. So that you can spend time with the rest of us. And sometimes we're not very fun to be around. I mean you'd have to love me to be around me all the time. It may even mean cutting back on work you do to earn money 
to make money-making opportunities to serve your church family. It means things like saying yes to serving in areas like teaching and serving in our children's program on Sunday at 9 and or 11. Maybe for you, it means being part of the student D3 groups for middle school and high school with Pastor Hal. Giving up your Wednesday nights. Praying for kids. Maybe it, it, it means you serve by being part of the worship team up here. Or the tech team the, that carries out all the production things. And goes to all the rehearsals. Or the guys that put the service online for those who are having to watch from home. Maybe it's serving in areas like our security team. Or our safety team on Sundays. Or maybe it's leading a D3 group and opening up your home or even leading one here at 9 or 11 in the morning services. You know, like you go to one service and serve at another. I mean, that would be some work. If you served in children's ministry or be a part of a Sunday D3 group, that would mean that you'd have to go to worship and then serve at another one. You go, Paul, like you're like, I'd be giving up my whole day. (laughs) That would take some time, Paul. That would would take some real effort. And to know that people are counting on you to show up and work, that would mean that you would have to think about others before you thought about yourself. It would mean that you would have to think of them as more important than you and your time. Listen, I can hear some of your thoughts. You might say, Paul, that's, I can understand like, why you'd say that. Because like, you get paid to be here. You lead this church. You're a staff member. And, but here's what you may not know. Although, yes, I, I am paid. I'm a paid staff member. It's not the reason I serve. The reason I serve is that I love Jesus. And to not knock financial advisors. I was a financial advisor. But when I was a financial advisor. And working in the business world. The more I fell in love with Jesus. The more I wanted to serve his church. And be a part of their lives. As I grew in my faith. It led me to leave my job to become a pastor. Now I get that not everyone's called to be a pastor. We need every one of you to do your part. We all make up the body. But let me just say, several of you I know are called to be a pastor. Like we're, we're working to train pastors and leaders up. But like the body is made up of many parts, you each have unique characteristics, your talents, your gifts. Talents that God has given you to be used in the kingdom. Yes, I can preach. Pastor Hunter, man, he is great at leading the staff and the leaders, carrying out the vision that God has given us in this. Pastor Jeff, man, he's great at leading the spiritual growth part. And he leads the band, all of the the Sunday stuff. Pastor Hal, although he's new, he's leading our youth. He's great at that. He's got these gifts. He's developing leaders. But what we are sorely lacking in is you. You joining in and doing your part. 
I mean, we have a few great people that serve and give at a base 10 level. But the truth is that about 10% of you do about 90% of the church work in this family. Most of you are like the family member that sits on the couch and goes, no, I don't ever clean the kitchen. We need you to be base 10 givers of your treasure, yes. But just as much as we need your body, we need you to be about base 10 living in this area of time and talent. Engaging the rest of us by serving and giving your time and your talent. Do you hear me? Do you realize that we have people that serve each week in our children's program? And it's been, what, 19 months, almost 20 months since COVID hit. We're still not operating at the full capacity. We don't have an 11 o'clock children's program because you don't step up. Come on, folks. Get off the couch. And it may mean like you're here the whole day. Oh, man, that'd be horrible, wouldn't it? Serving God a whole day of the week. No, it wouldn't. In fact, you'd find life in it. You would find joy in it. Engaging the rest of us by serving and giving of your time. Listen, you were made for such a time as this. It's no accident that you were here part of this body. You were made to be a part of Bent Tree Church, the body of Christ, at this point in time. I'm sure of that. But what I need you to do is engage. Don't hang out on the edges of the family. Join in. And when you do, this church will be a light to northern Colorado. It will become even a greater source of hope. And maybe, best of all, is that by serving and giving of your time, talent, and treasure, you will grow into mature follower of Christ. Getting your eyes off of yourself and on to others. True spiritual growth. True joy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. God, this one hurt to preach. I love this church so much, God. I love each and every one of them. God, I just pray you would make us into the church you're calling us to be. Call us into the game. Engage us. Show us where we need to be using our time and talent. Well, as you just continue in an attitude of prayer, maybe your heart has been pricked. And listen, just like I prayed, I I do love you, but I love you enough to go get your eyes off of yourself. Engage, become part of this family. If you would, just take a moment to just pray. I'll I'll just be silent. We'll just let the music play softly. and Use this time as a time of doing two things. One is repent. Just say, God, I'm sorry. You're already forgiven of the sins of of not obeying. But then just ask God, where is it that you want me to engage? How do you want me to engage? And I get that it's not easy. So do that. Repent first and then just say, God, what do you want? Let's just take a moment.
Oh God. We come before you as a church. A group. But made up of each individual part. I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. That you would show them. Who they are in you. Show them that the people in their life. Their families. Their friends. The people in this church. The people in their D3 groups. God. Show them how to serve. Show me how to serve. How to love. Especially when they're unbearable. Well God thank you for. Your gift this morning. Thank you for this family that we call Bentry Church. Would you be glorified in us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Bentry Church. To get connected at Bentry and for more information, please visit bentreechurch.com.